It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're fixing to have us a good day. This is Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm back in studio. Appreciate you guys being patient the last two days. I know the audio quality wasn't quite as good. It did sound a little better than I was expecting. Painter Sharpless of ESPN 106.7 joining me in studio. How are you? Man, I'm good. I'm glad to be here hanging out. I've never been so happy to fail a test, if you know what I mean. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Uh, I know what you mean, baby. All That's right. a good one to get a negative on. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of did what I did in college. I just didn't study for it, and I failed it, and Peace. here we are. Peace. Here we are. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Fetch Me. You can use promo code ZAC20, Z-A-C-20, for your first delivery free. Also, they are doing a cool thing where you can use promo code 10OFF, 10OFF, for $10 off your order uh, if it goes over $30 for three specific restaurants each week. And uh, you're running out of time to get that deal for the three restaurants from this week. Sushi Bistro, Full Moon Barbecue, and Insomnia. Did you go to Insomnia a lot in college? Some, yeah. It was a late night spot for us. 100%. Good stuff. Some of the best conversations I've ever had uh, happened outside of Insomnia. I'm not even kidding. I believe it. I'm not even kidding. Conducive conversations happen. (laughs) Sure. Things happen for conducive conversations. Uh, uh, Also got an email about Fetch Me uh, or from Fetch Me this morning. Foley is free, uh, free delivery today, and I've actually been craving Foley. Um, my wife isn't into it, but uh, I've been craving it hard. Therapy is like you. She is it pho? It's pronounced pho, right? I'm not going to go there, man. I'm trying to keep it G-rated. I, I, had, I already said enough today. Fair enough. But yeah, so Zach20ZAC20 for your first delivery free or 10 off for 10 bucks off your order for Sushi Bistro, Full Moon Barbecue, or Insomnia. So I want to talk about pass rushers today, Painter, but first uh, I want to talk about a wild message board post and then a story on AL.com. Um, but first, uh, do you want to guess what I saw this morning for the first time this offseason? Sports? Uh, well, it's sports related, but you know, just as far as the Auburn offseason goes, what is typically the most popular conversation? Will Gus Malzahn be the coach? Yep, Gus Malzahn's buyout. Somebody on a, on a Auburn Undercover's board, they were uh, asking about Gus Malzahn's buyout. Spoiler, it's still a lot. But a lo- most of the people are like answering the question, and they're like, "But why? Why are we talking about this? The program's in a pretty good spot. Why? Why do people still want Gus God? I guess it's a conversation that uh, we really are bored. Uh, people are looking for anything right now, and Gus is just stuck in that spot. Like the thing that's interesting about this conversation is it, it's pretty much gone away this off season because it was widely recognized at Auburn with a freshman quarterback, had a fantastic regular season. I know you're disappointed about those losses, especially the Florida and the Georgia loss. Right. But at the same time, you beat your biggest rival. Correct. And maybe one of the best games I've ever seen. You beat the team that won the Pac-12 again. Right. And your freshman quarterback is returning. The recruiting is consistently great. Like this convert, nothing has changed since the last time we had this conversation, except that Gus Malzahn got a little more job security by having the season he had and beating Alabama. Uh, I agree on all of that. I agree on all of that. Also, a story on AL.com about Michael Pappas's favorite player, Sawyer Pate. Who did you say? Nick Marshall. Oh, yeah, he loves Sawyer Nick Marshall, Pate. too. Now that, that, is, that is his number one. He loves Sawyer Pate. Um, his high school coach apparently went on radio in Mobile 
And uh, the adjective that he used that they kind of based the article around, what, uh, have, you, have you read this? Mm-mm. What article do you think would describe Sawyer Pate? An adjective to describe that his head, his former head coach would. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot today. Is it cliche? Is it cliche? Um, Please tell me he didn't say gritty. Steady. Please. Okay, that's fine. I mean, his stats are 41 touchdowns, 22 or uh, 229 completions for 306 attempts, over 3,100 yards, just through five picks. Like that is not steady. Like that is very, very good. And it's just weird to me that the. the how his head, his former head coach, was describing him was steady. I get it, consistent, right? Like he maybe he wasn't the most dominant player on the field. Maybe he wasn't even the most athletic player on the field sure. in high school. Those stats were pretty dominant though for seven A football. Like agreed, like they're good. They I, won state. You I know? don't blame you for for going that direction. But I, steady, but you know maybe he also is trying to say, look, uh, give some love to my guy. Saw your Pate or Michael's right. guy. Saw your Pate. That's fair. I I won't I won't push back too hard on that. Those were good high school stats. All right, I want to jump into some uh, some pass rushing stuff. I got an exercise I want to put you through. Like I'm I said, in. I am putting you on the spot today. All right, that's coming up right here on Locked On Auburn. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Painter? Mm-hmm. Alright, let's do an exercise. So who leads Auburn in sacks? In 2020. So Auburn's returning sack leaders, according to AU Nerd. I'm getting a lot of this stuff from a a roundtable that College and Magnolia did a few weeks ago. But the returning sack leaders, K.J. Britt has three and a half. Tyron Truesdale has three. And Owen Papo, I didn't write it down, but I believe he has three as well. One, first off, I didn't realize that Truesdale had three sacks. Because that is is not his game. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? He'll push the pocket, but I'm, I'm surprised that he has three sacks. Also, I'm surprised Big Cat Brian is not on the top three. If you would have told me like the over-under, like does Big Cat have more than three sacks, I would say that he had more than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wouldn't you? Just based on the way the conversation, the narrative has gone this offseason, it's easy to forget, I think, sometimes. Uh, and maybe not even forget, just you get the idea that, all right, Big Cat is this name I've heard. We know he's a good player. We know that they'll rely on him more this year. So I think you can convince yourself, hey, he's and not to say that he hasn't been productive, but he's been more productive than you remember him. I also think he's been better in the running game and impacting the play than I thought he would be. Because that was kind of the biggest thing with Jeff Holland, who I think is the best pass rusher that Auburn's had in Malzahn's era outside of D. Ford. And he didn't really affect the game a whole lot other than just rushing the passer, right? So I think Big Cat's done a good job with that. But the 2018 sack leader, Nick Coe, gone, obviously. Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, gone, combined for 23 tackles for a loss, 10 and a half sacks last season. So here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. Let me know. I want to make an argument. Let's make an argument together for and against some of the guys on the defensive front seven as to, you know, could they lead the team in sacks in 2020 or, you know, what's going to hold them back? Okay. You go with this? I'm in. Let's try it. Let's try something a little different today. Let's start with Big Cat Bryant. Because I actually think he has a chance to... I think he's going to get double-digit sacks this year. So because of that, he is my answer to this question. I'm really high on Big Cat Bryant this season. 
Um, especially because I'm really curious to see what Rodney Garner does as far as stunts and scheming guys into lanes because I don't think they can just out-muscle guys as much as they typically did you know, the last few years because you don't have Derek and you don't have Marlon. So I think you're going to see them move Big Cat around, whether he's at a buck position or if he's at a strong side defensive end. I think they're going to use his positioning uh, to manipulate some mismatches more than they typically do. Everything you said makes sense. I'm fully in line with him having a huge season. I don't know if I would go with the double-digit sack thing, in part because I wonder if this will be a group that benefits from having a bunch of guys share that load. Now I know it's a number we've pointed to since Jeff Holland, and I don't think it's impossible for it to happen and that he could take a step like Marlon Davidson where he finishes on some plays this year where he had a lot of hurries last season and it's like all right well can you just can you get that extra step and finish the play if so he might be in a position to get to the double digit uh number so did you uh i guess you both did your uh your argument for and your argument against i guess the argument against is there's just so much of a rotation yeah i think that you're looking at a that still you know the linebacker group probably on its face is the position you should feel best about just because they return so much yeah, But the defensive line group, I think, has earned the benefit of the doubt, even when there are names that you are saying, okay, we don't know as much about this guy. He's going to have to be more productive. The guys in front of him have left. When has Rodney Garner's group not delivered? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think it's going to be interesting to see who spends more snaps at the buck and who spends more snaps at strong side defensive end. Because... Once again, this is my argument for Big Cat. I think he can do both. I think he's just going to be on the field more in those pass rushing situations. And so, you know, does he spend first and second down at Buck and then they move him if it's third and long to strong side defensive end? Like, I think that makes sense. And you put another pass rush on the other side. So um, I have a hard time making an argument against Big Cat other than I'm just overrating him in my head. I also think we can't forget about Derek Hall. We can go to Derek Hall next. Like, I think that. That's the only the other part of the equation where it's like, could he get outshined by someone this year where they both have great seasons? Is he a buck or a defensive end, you think? Because I think that's another guy that could do both. Hall plays buck. Um, yeah. But like if, if you go, so as a true freshman, uh, he played on the defense line. He had 13 tackles. Um, but his position is the buck. He had three tackles in that outback bowl against Minnesota. So he got time, you know, sparingly throughout the season. So with that argument, you know, what I'll say as far as using big cat early downs at buck, and then moving him over to strong side defensive end for third and long, you put Derek Hall at Buck, and you've got two guys that can rush the passer on the outside. Maybe inside you've got, you know, if you want to scoot Dre Butler inside, mm-hmm. or if you want to scoot in, you know, Connor Miller, I'm not quite positive how good of a pass rusher he is. We just don't know. There's not enough on there. But I, I like what he does. His size certainly makes you think he's going to be better at stopping the run, just kind of to stereotype him. Um, and then, like, you know, Tyron Truesdale, you know, is he going to be able to consistently push the pocket on third down there? So I think that makes a whole lot of sense if you want to make the Derek Hall argument, because I think he's going to be used more on third and long situations for personnel purposes. And it's going to be in passing situations and it's going to be when he's fresh. Yeah, I, I just have a hard like getting to double digit sacks is just tough. It's not that I don't think Hall or Bryant don't have the potential or talent, especially if you lose games this year. Yeah, so I like the idea of it happening to me is feasible. It's just not something that I'm as confident. And I, I do think that the production we could get along that defensive line might be one where it's a shared workload. What's the biggest argument against Derek Hall in your mind? Does one pop up, or is it just uh, 
there's too many mouths to feed. But I mean, you're going to be able to make that argument about all these guys that we talked about. I think about. the main thing is I'm very hopeful and optimistic about someone who had a promising freshman year. But now you're still waiting on him to deliver on what the coaching staff, I think, is excited about the development. And it's just a weird offseason, right? Like, you can be excited about a guy showing flashes of promises freshman year throughout a bunch of games, but you just don't know. Like, it may take to his junior year to really have that season sure. where he— po- So, I, I think the idea of getting excited about someone versus really them producing at a high level is different. You know, and, and like, there's a reason to think that it could be a great season for Derek Hall. There's a reason to think he might be a, a really strong role player. So, there's a guy that I'm really excited about that people have forgotten about, and I want to talk about him next— right here on Locked On Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Painter, you know you want to know who I'm high on that people have forgotten about, in my opinion? Yes. I'm going with T.D. Moultrie. Oh, yeah. Former highly touted guy. I believe he was a five-star mm-hmm. on some uh, scouting services, mm-hmm. Painter. And I think this is a guy that has kind of been forgotten about, a little uh, buried in the depth chart, because he and Big Cat came in together. And I remember thinking, like, there was all this excitement about Big Cat. And I'm like, well, he plays the same position as Tadarian Moultrie, uh, which has shifted to become T.D. Moultrie. And I'm just like, I, I don't see how he's ever going to be the guy, but he has outplayed T.D. Moultrie so far this uh, d- during their both of their careers. I think T.D. is a guy that you could possibly see in the rotation as like people say, oh, I forgot about you. Yeah, and he's had an interesting career because he's switched positions and there's been, you know, he was, as you mentioned, a highly ranked recruit, so the expectations were high. I think he was a top 100 prospect according to 24-7 Sports. And it hasn't clicked yet. And so I don't know what it's going to take where it all comes together. And the optimism is, all right, this is finally the time. Now that you've got the guys in front of you that aren't there, yeah. you look at this this group that's come in together, as you just mentioned. You've had a, a bunch of seasons now to really find your uh, the, your footing, and, and you try different positions. Like, what what is the baseline? What is a successful season for TD Moultrie at the floor? And what's the best-case scenario? Uh, I think a successful season is three and a half, four sacks. Wouldn't you think that, like, wouldn't you take that for him? Yeah, like, and just being like playing a lot, even if you're not the starter, rotating it a lot and having some meaningful contribution. Yeah, especially if, you know, I mean, if somehow Big Cat was able to scoot in, you've got Derek Hall at, at the buck. Um, yeah, and you're able to scoop Big Cat in, kind of like what they did with Marlon. And you know, you want to put Dre Butler there or something, you know, just a strictly a pass rush, third and long situation. And you wanted to put TD on the other side. Like, could that be something? Yeah, I just remember you. You mentioned his position change. I remember Malzahn talking about him. I mean, he was so excited about him on his National Signing Day press conference. Right, and when they passed out the, the the packet with all the information and kind of the bios of all the guys, it was kind of interesting because he was listed as a linebacker and he's been kind of seen as this this buck uh, defensive end type prospect. And Malzahn was talking to, you know, to the media saying like it was really important to to Moultrie that he was listed as a linebacker. And so they listed him as a linebacker because they were going to do anything they could to get this guy on campus. 
Now it certainly seems like he is not that. And if he was, I really don't think he's going to make uh, the you know crack the rotation. But we'll see. We'll see. That's just a guy that I wanted to kind of rem- like remind folks like he was he was really highly sought after. And I think the talents there they just got to turn him into you know what uh, what Rodney Garner wants mm-hmm. up front. Um, all right, we mentioned this guy a little bit, Tyron Truesdale. I mean, do yeah. you think there's any chance that he leads this team in sacks in 2020? I personally don't because I think he's going to get a lot of the um, – one, I, he's not as quick as these other guys. And two, I think he's going to get bruised up pretty bad uh, in the middle. He's going to hold his own and do his job and push the pocket a little bit so the quarterback can't step up. But that's not really the guy who gets sacks. Yeah, Auburn fans got spoiled with Derrick Brown, right? right? Because it's such a difficult – like when you have a player who is statistically productive at defensive tackle – You've got a, you've got a problem, right? It's not just that he's doing what Russell did, where he clogged basically every run that you wanted him to, and could apply some pressure to the court. It's like Derek Brown is in a heat with Marlon Davidson, who was statistically more productive than Derek, but has the advantage of playing on the outside more, right? So, mm-hmm. to your point, Truesdale is going to be a fantastic player for Auburn. Right, he's going to do his job well. I'm excited about watching him. But, no, I, I just don't think it's feasible to expect a defense. You know, I mean, like, Derek didn't do it last year. Mm-hmm. And, look, Derek's a world-class talent. So, like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm not trying to downplay Truesdale. You should be excited about him. But yeah. for the for this exercise, to answer your question. No. Right. Uh, let's go linebackers. K.J. Britt. How do you think he is going to affect the pass rush? Uh, that's the big question, right? Because we know he's an elite run stopper. Kylan Hill, the Mississippi State running back, even jokingly tweeted yesterday, I believe, or depending on when you're this week, he tweeted out hardest hitting linebacker in the SEC with a crying emoji, crying laughing emoji. Uh-huh. Like the dude is, you look at him, you're like, that guy looks like a gladiator. But sure. can he, and this is where, you know, I think pro scouts are watching Britt, can he be a better all around linebacker, especially in pass coverage? And, I don't have an answer there. I think that the person to watch, uh, certainly the person that my co-host has been really excited about, Zacoby McClain. It's like you have my list in the order and everything. What has your co-host and you said about Zacoby McClain? I think Ferg is expecting McClain to pop. And I, you know, when Ferg gets these hunches like this, I tend to, you know, I can't stake my claim to that take, but I can agree with him. My question about Zacoby McClain, and we love Chainsaw McClain, Ricochet Rabbit, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> I love his ability and I love his game. But when you look at, you know, you can only have so many guys on the field at once. And they run a lot of nickel. So, like, who, which linebacker are you taking off the field? Are you taking KJ Britt, Owen Papo, right, or like Zacoby you know, McClain, or Chandler Wooten? Like, I mean, you only right. pick two of those guys in a nickel set. Yeah, and like Papo in that situation is perfect right like you want him to be in a position where he can cover space quickly he is perfect for any personnel grouping um so i mean in that situation if it's an obvious pass aren't you taking Britt off the field at some point maybe and, and maybe I, so. I think it's circumstantial yeah i mean but I, I, if you're talking about so, so your argument is that kobe is better in pass coverage than than brit and i agree with that and look, I'm you know I don't know what those guys have improved upon. We're not even talking about Wooten. I would say Wooten is better in pass coverage than Britt as well, just because I think he moves a little bit better. So like I don't think Auburn has a bet. Like Auburn's problem is what's the best that we can do mixing this up in certain circumstances. And maybe maybe they take Papo off the field more than I think, or maybe they move him into you know when they go nickel. 
Do they put him in the middle of the field as that nickel back and move Tut outside? Mm. I mean, Papo has the ability to do that, especially if you want to do that on a a third and four where they could run the ball kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, when you have a guy like Papo, there's so many different things you can do with him. Speaking of Tut, not to get too far off base here, sure. but Cole Kublik mentioned him as one of his five SEC defensive player uh, players breaking out this year. And I know that there are some people here who really like Cole. I especially enjoy Cole's analysis with lines. But just don't, uh, just don't ask Tut to cover a seam. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, but he's got Tut, I think, is his f- number. He, he did the one through five thing, and Tut was his number five. Are you in on that? Do you like Tut this season as a player? Has Tut, is he someone that you think when we're having the semantics conversation of breaking out, has he already broken out? Do the Auburn fans know a lot about Christian Tut? Has I don't. Proven, I don't think he's broken out. So has he like, proven I think he's his a, worth? I think he's a candidate for the list for sure. Um, he gets his hips turned a little too quick. He's athletic. I mean, this is his, you know his first year under his belt. You expect him to get better, as every other defensive back in the last few years seemingly has at Auburn. I don't think he's the defensive back that I would pick to break out from Auburn's backfield. But uh, that's an interesting question. Is Roger McCreary the name? I think he already has. I think there's already an expectation placed on right. him. Uh, I think Marco Damio is, yeah, is the yeah, answer yeah. there. He's an interesting case. I think, yeah, it's a good point with McCreary because he played well last year. He picked off a Heisman winner. I mean, like. And, and, you know, it's just like when everyone keeps mentioning you as the guy to follow up Noah as the number one, and it's like, well, all Auburn's done the last three years is keep sending guys early in the draft, and they're kind of pegging you as like, maybe you're not a first round guy, but probably fairly early. It's like if you keep up at this level, you could follow that up as Carlton Davis, Jamel D, Noeg Benani, yeah, right. Roger McCreary. Yeah, I mean your your last three your last three number one corners have been at worst a late second round pick. You take that. That's you dope. take that. That's super dope. Absolutely. So uh all right. Owen Papo's on here. I think Owen Papo has a legitimate chance to lead the team in sacks, especially if they're able to do some creative things with moving him around off ball, you know, off it's the line of scrimmage. He, I mean <sighs> They, it, sometimes they I get more. With sometimes them. I get more excited, and and like, I don't actually because the quarterback position just has such an outsized level of importance in the game, and we just saw what Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes and like I'm not comparing next to those guys. Just like when you have a truly dominant quarterback, it changes everything about what your team can do. But I do find myself getting swept up in Owen sometimes because because he's wearing number zero. Yeah, that's cool too, right? Like that is going to be fun. But, like, he is, he tested out, he broke a record for basically being athletic. And sure. Like, that to me is on its face very neat and very cool. All right. I've got four more guys. Let's spend like 10 seconds on each of them. Just okay. um, as far as making a guy, you know, making an argument for and against guys that could lead Auburn in sacks in 2020. Dre Butler, the number one Juco defensive lineman. Super hyped about this guy. Don't think that's going to be his role, but I agree. you should be excited about this player. He is massive. Uh, Daquan Newkirk. Bro, he's just as strong as Derek Brown. Look out. This guy is going to eat. He just needs to be healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Connus Miller. Mentioned him a little bit earlier. Yeah, excited about Connus. A good Twitter follow. Uh, no doubt. But like for the sake of this exercise, nah. Whenever we tweet out a picture of him you know, with our, our, our clips that we post, He's like, hey, can I get that picture? I'm like, do you not yeah. have any pictures of yourself? But that's fine. And then um, my last guy, a guy that I'm very high on, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but I do think there will be a time while he is at Auburn where he does lead in sacks, Romello Height. Sign me up, baby. 
You're in the Romelo, Romelo hype train. Dude, I'm the conductor of the Romelo Height hype train. I love it. Choo choo. Let's go. Where can Full people listen to you, brother? Ahead, 11 to 1, ESPN 1067. Justin Ferguson holds it down with me in a cast of characters. That, of course, is available, as I mentioned, on the dial locally in the Auburn Opelika area and anywhere you listen to your podcast. Let's go. Yeah, be sure to check out Painter Sharpless. Good interview with Darren, by the way. Thank Thanks. you for doing that. That was fun. I appreciate you making that happen because that worked out well for yeah, us. I, I hate I missed it. We'll get him on again. He seemed uh, pretty willing. He was great. Um, yeah, absolutely. Follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Follow the show on TikTok at Z Blackerby and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. And uh, we'll be back on Monday right here on Locked On Auburn. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.